0: Welcome to the Focus on Customer Service podcast, presented by Social Media Today, where we talk to brands you know and love who are laser-focused on using social media to deliver amazing customer experiences. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dan Gingas and Dan Moriarty.
1: Hello again, everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of the Focus on Customer Service podcast, hashtag FOCS. This is Dan Gingis, and I am once again joined by my English colleague, Dan Moriarty. How are you, Dan? Doing well, Dan. How are you doing tonight? Doing great. We have a really interesting podcast tonight. We wanted to veer off a little bit from our traditional brand-focused, one-brand-focused podcast and bring on a guest who has uh, really been living and breathing social care for over five years, which is really about as long as anybody's been talking about social care. So welcome to the podcast, Delphine Vassalo. How are you? Hello. Thank you very
0: much, guys, for having me.
1: Well, we're happy to have you on the podcast. Um, Why don't you give our listeners a little bit about your background and all the brands that you have worked at?
0: Sure. Well, in the, within the marketing industry, I have been roughly some some 20 years working in different brands and, and advertising agencies in and, and different different parts of the world, mainly in, in Europe and um, in the Americas. But specifically, social media around seven years, and specifically this niche within the niche of social care, five years, I started this experience of social customer service at Barclays, the bank in, in London. And uh, from there, I, I jumped to, to Nokia, when Nokia used to be the global leader in mobile, mobile devices, where we built quite comprehensive and quite complex social customer service practice. And that was until uh, Microsoft uh, acquired the mobile devices division from Nokia. And, uh, and con- I continued doing that. I mean, the following two years for mobile devices and also for a few other products from from Microsoft, like Office 365 or, or, or Windows 10. Actually, that was the launch, the big launch last summer from, from Microsoft. And the uh, social care was also a big part of that.
2: It's very cool. I, I'm racking my brain and Dan, jump in if you if you think different. But I can't think of someone we've had on who's actually worked across social care for three brands before. Uh, which I think puts you in quite a unique position. Could you talk a little bit about the the, the differences? So, you know, Barclays, obviously, Bank, I'm guessing, was quite heavily regulated, probably significantly more so than doing it for Nokia or Microsoft. Can you talk about what it's like doing social care in a regulated versus non-regulated industry?
0: Yes, that, that was... Uh very very interesting thing because i was part of course we weren't intended to to have a social care practice at barclays was like yeah the regular marketing team and as you said yes for traditionally certain industries like banking financial legal professional services certain industries are the very last ones to catch up with all these things so here i was at, at barclays and uh, saying, well, we are going to open the Facebook world. That was quite a milestone already to have a Twitter account. And we will be engaging with, with customers, all this, all this discourse about social media, et cetera. And the, the leadership team was a bit afraid, like, what should we do? Really? Can we can we delete the post? And say, yeah, yeah, you can do it, but you should not do that. That's the whole point of having a conversation with, with the customers. Fair enough. We started And it went fine the first day, the first 24 hours. The people started to join to to the page to interact with us. And after the second day, boom, we started to receive an average of 500 complaints via Twitter every day. That was like, well, what, what is this? This was not supposed to happen. But. But it is happening. It was mainly by because of the particular situation of, of the bank in that point in time. It's something that affected all the British banks. They, they some product that was called PPI insurance that was a bit polemic, etc. So people were very, very angry about that. So they were complaining. So we have to do something. We cannot just stand still. And of course, with all the regulations that you mentioned, of course, yeah, we were allowed to say certain things. We were not allowed to say or to acknowledge certain things. At some point, the legal department was actually there, really keen to, we need to approve every tweet. And I said, well, guys, I'm afraid this is not possible. Uh, You cannot take two weeks to review and to approve the text for every single tweet when we have a queue, a massive backlog. So this is not going to happen like that. And, and they kind of understood. And their answer was, yeah, to put in place a, a process, to put boundaries so you can move within this space, within these statements, let's say, and let's train the team to react in this same top manner. And uh, and that's what what we did it in. We started with four persons and within one month we have only wanted to Friday nine to five. And within three, four weeks, we grew to 24 um, members, 24 team members and answering 24 hours, pretty much 24 hours. If not, we're, we're working 20 hours a day. And that was because of the demand of the, of the customers, really, to really address them, address all the all the concerns and, and the and the complaints. That was pretty much how we approached this this regulation. Trying to help is trying to convince internally that you you have to be agile, you have to be responsive and and yes within the boundaries that the company and, the, and was legally allowed to do.
1: So how do you convince management after day two when you have 500 complaints that come in how do you convince management that this is
0: a good idea well this is a good idea because we started to to engage we started to solve certain things when there was uh, a lot of confusion about this this very specific product the the ppi insurance there was a lot of confusion about what the customers should do what the customers were entitled to or, or not if they if they had right to some compensation or how that product would have impacted their their personal finances or the other financial products that they were using there was quite a a lot of confusion about that so I said, well look we are specifically clarifying these things for one customer but also look there are many other customers watching whether it's in twitter or, or, or facebook mainly on facebook as well they are watching so it's We are going to save some money by broadcasting or having this broadcasting type of thing with all this information. We are answering to one customer, but look, there are 10 more who are watching. So that's what we want to do. That's what the bank wants to do, to really spread the message about what is the right thing to do about this this specific product. And of course, those other nine customers that are watching, they are they are also customers and they are also maybe, maybe angry with, with us for whatever the situation. And that's, that's the best way to, to reach them out. And the people is there. And the, the fact that we started to receive a lot of feedback uh, on, on, on Twitter or on Facebook demonstrated that, hey, our customers are on Facebook, are on Twitter. We have to be there. We must be there. See that that that's the thing. We we must be there. They were already waiting for us practically. So that that was pretty much the argument.
2: So once you made the argument, Delphine, how long did it take after that for leadership to really buy into it? Was was it immediate or was it kind of a, a process over time?
0: Well, to start, I mean beforehand to start with all this process, it took yeah quite some months to to convince them. Yes, but once we started and once we and once they saw that the answer that the, the response from the customers. And while we have numbers in hand, that was a bit, well, way, much, much easier. And, and that's something that I have been doing, not only at Barclays, also, also mostly at Nokia or Microsoft. When you have the numbers, the, the stats in hand, look, this is the number of customers that we are serving. This is the number of um, solved cases, happily solved cases that we that we have in social. And each one of these cases Means or equals each number of of money that we are saving. Once I have that equation, which was pretty difficult at some point to to to, to get, uh, that was the, that combination of numbers of the stats that was the key thing absolutely to convince any exec. Uh, really, uh, numbers, 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 stats to back yeah. all, all all what you are doing.
2: So, how did you calculate the? So everything else made a ton of sense, and I think it's pretty self-explanatory. But the calculating the savings per happy customer. Could you talk a bit about how you got to that number?
0: Yeah, because on one hand, we had the NPS, the, the Net Promoter Score, of course, that already was it was in place in the company. I'm talking a bit well, more, more about Nokia. It was already in place, but we realized that was a bit difficult to tie, really, an action from from the social customer care team to tie that to the MPS, because there was also a number of other activities that marketing colleagues were doing. So it was a bit difficult to type. But what we could do effectively was to count how many customers we were serving on social and the cost per case. And that cost was based on, of course, all the tools that we have, the cost that we had to pay every month, the salaries of the people, all the operational costs, of course, and the and the volume that we were handling, the bigger the volume, of course, it was, it was cheaper per the cost per, per unit or per single case. And uh, that, took, that took me also a quite, uh, quite uh, some time. I didn't do it alone. So, of course, I sat down with a, with a financial, guy with, with our controller, who didn't know anything about social media. I explained to him, look, this is how it works on Facebook and we have online communities and blah, 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 blah. This is how the thing is. And together we figure out and when we arrived to the, to the magic number that was the absolutely key thing to, to to present to the exec when i when i presented look handling a customer over the phone or, or chat that was pretty much what we were doing mostly it cost to us around 4 euros 50 cents if that same case is handled on twitter that same case cost was 2 euros 37 cents because they can handle more per hour or per, per, yeah, per hour pretty much and they can handle it two or three or four up to four cases at the same time that you are and that same case handled in our online communities which is follow the model of peer to peer communities that had a value of 17 17 cents of euro with those numbers was well, like absolutely yes so this so social care completely makes sense and we have to invest more on this and you had we had to make it grow, to grow so that was yeah actually the key thing the numbers i mean the, the monetary value and the volumes the volumes that we were we were seeing when when, when as when we are starting to answer things the more we answered the more the customers were were asking us things so that was, that was, I think, that, was, that were the two key things to convince the executive level.
1: Yeah, Delphine, I think we've heard similar metrics from other brands. And so it's it's good for you to confirm that. And I know that you know Twitter's own study came up with a number that I think was even, even higher. I think it was 8x for phone versus handling in Twitter. I think one of the interesting challenges for a company starting out, though, is that those costs really don't come down until you can scale. Because when you first start out, you've got even one agent sitting there and not enough inquiries to fill the day. So then you start worrying about, okay, what else can this agent do during the spare time, what have you. And at least in my experience, it took us a while to get to the point where where you ended up as well, which is that the Twitter was far less expensive than the telephone but I do think it's interesting that that you sort of also have to pair that with a a belief that it's going to happen at the beginning because when you first start and you haven't scaled it yet, I think it actually can be more expensive. But over time, I think it gets there. Would you is, is does that match your experience?
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes you, you are right. So when you start, pretty much yes it's much more expensive and in our case maybe it's a bit diff- um, different because being uh, from from nokia experience being already a global brand well known very well known all over the world with lots of products i mean over a billion products going around the world so there was already the need for, for that the people uh, were already asking things on, on facebook pages it simply they they were never answered but you are right And we were supporting uh, at the, yeah, at the height of our work at Nokia, we were supporting 67 Facebook pages, more than 40 Twitter handles, plus other niche things like contacting Russia, like Yandex in Russia, by doing China's in Avivo as well. But for, let's say, for the major languages, because our structure was based by language, not by country, not by region. In English, of course, the volume was significant, in Spanish as well, in French as well. But when you go down to some other less, less popular, let's say, or, or not so big languages like uh, Czech, like Polish, of course, there's not, because there are not enough, let's say, speakers of that language. On that, on those cases, we didn't have really 24 seven. It was like normal Monday to Friday, nine to five service. And the the number the volumes for those at some point didn't justify, didn't fully justify to have one head or even one point half, one point five Ft. So what we did is start to combine those those agents with other with other tasks. Yes, they were social media agents, hundred percent only, that's what they do mainly. But also they were supporting some of the things like uh, translating things from the free forms that we have in our web pages, um, collaborating with the backlog sometimes for for email complaints, emails or something like that. And uh, yeah, we were yeah, having the multitasking for those specific languages or in the best case scenario, we started to recruit agents that were bilingual or trilingual our our team for the for the nordics for example there were a couple of guys that were originally from denmark but given this the similarities on the language one of them was married with a swedish of course spoke swedish or pretty much pretty well swedish the other ones were half swedish half norwegian so that you are all of them spoke all three languages and they could interact in any of the three facebook pages or twitter accounts uh, or instagram accounts no matter no matter which was specific, they just identified of course the language the referring in the tool and they they in so they were three in one practically and uh, i read about you that you are also multilingual is that correct well that that's what i i like to think that i speak really many languages uh, yeah well yes uh, I like to think that I speak uh, fairly well English, I guess, plus Spanish, plus Italian, plus French. And, uh, well, obviously living in Finland, which was the home of Nokia, for some years, Finnish as well.
1: That's awesome. Uh, Definitely helps you do your job better, I would say. So as you've kind of progressed through these companies and, and you know, as, as Dan mentioned before, you've got, you know, regulated bank and then, and then you go to the technology sector, which is quite different. What, as you look back now over five years of doing this, what's changed the most, do you think, from when you started?
0: Well, number one, the, the understanding from, from the executive level. Now I would say it would be a bit more easier to sell this idea of answering questions on social media. That is, that is one what, that was pretty much the, the challenge when I started all this. I remember back in the days, pretty much 50% of my time was dedicated to convince people, to explain people in, in other business units, to explain them what this thing about social care was uh, and, and how, what we were trying to do. And uh, that was pretty much fifty percent or even trying to convince to to make alliances with uh, with some other units or, or local marketing teams or that was pretty much now I think it's a bit a bit easier so because it's more it's becoming more the awareness of the social care is even even bigger and the second thing is the the technology the technology has advanced. A lot regarding the tools that we use to to handle all these all these uh, queries back in the days at Barclas I remember there was no tool okay we weren't prepared for that in the first place but uh, yeah let's grab a spreadsheet and and that's it that was it was painful it was really painful to do that in on a spreadsheet logging 500 cases a day on a spreadsheet, and then follow up, and then find the one, the right one, and answer back, and that was really painful. And now the technology has allowed us to 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 do much more, and to do it faster. All these tools that uh, we can use, or, uh, or the social media agents can use to interact with customers, yeah, they make the thing way much more easier. Absolutely. So I would say those things. Technology has evolved a lot, and and the understanding from the. From the leadership team and uh, from pretty much anywhere, anyone else in the, within the company.
2: Can you talk a bit more about the, so obviously five years ago, just using spreadsheets, talk about some specific types of technologies you've brought in to help make your agents more efficient? So it sounds like well, you're talking exactly. about multiple tools,
0: right? Yes, well, that's what I always say. So for this social care thing, there's no one single tool that covers everything. The ideal tool the perfect tool doesn't exist really no, no matter how how much all these uh, colleagues from from uh, vendors say or claim their tool is the best one and they, they're the only one that you can use yes it's starting for the in the engagement tool specifically the one that connects either facebook or twitter with our with our teams because also for security purposes no one from the team had the password for the twitter account or, or no one none of them had direct access to the facebook pages at microsoft pretty much only uh, there were four persons only with access to the facebook pages no one else could access them directly and we had to change the password every week pretty much so that is one the tool that the, the agents would use to interact with the with the customers that the uh, there are many, many out there, you name them, the, the usual suspects. They have uh, improved a lot, their capabilities, their way to process things, their APIs. That's a very good thing. The second piece is the listening component. If you are going out and reaching out to, to, to customers that are ranting, claiming they are in disgrace, whatever, and you want to help them proactively, how good is this capability of, of, of finding them it could be the same tool, or it could be a different one. Uh, that was also our 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 challenge. And the the next one, which is pretty much the one that I have not found yet, we have already, of course, our CRM systems, whether they were back in the time from yeah from Oracle or or the, the own Microsoft system. That is the one that, of course, we used internally. But the connection between this CRM suite and the social media tools or the social media world is still broken. In my mind, it's there's no tool that has managed to do this. That's still the the, the hole there. Uh, I know many, many colleagues from other brands, they have built their, themselves their, their APIs, and they have built themselves the, the, the way to do it because their commercial, it is not available, or at least not as far as I know, to connect this. There are certain appendixes, I want to call them, from these CRM tools that they claim that they are social friendly, social media friendly, but at some point to handle a volume that like, I don't know, back in the days, good old days of Nokia, we were handling 70,000 cases uh, a month. Uh, I mean, cases, individual customers, not tweets, not, the tweets were way for, I mean, three times more, but with 70,000 cases a month, you need a very solid tool to do that, or tools, should I say. So, yes, you, don't, you end up with with many, many. Th- and one more that we were using, analytics, which are the KPIs that we want to track. Yeah, of course, response rate, response time, which is tricky. Then we broke down by time frames the percentage of, of tweets that we answer within 10 minutes, from 10 minutes to half an hour, from half an hour to one hour, So to arrive to that level of detail, we got another tool, yet another tool which was specialized only exclusively on social analytics. That tool didn't do anything else, just tracking and providing the the reporting. So there you are. At least I just already mentioned four four types of tools that uh, those were. We were just juggling with with all those four four tools because there was no perfect solution really.
2: Uh, I'll tell you the one that got me most excited as you were talking and where I'm going to ask you to talk for a couple more minutes about before we wrap up, the, the CRM integration piece. Because I, I agree you know, with, with, the, with the division of some of the tools that, that you've laid out. I'd say the, the three other sections, there's pretty clear expectations for what you want a tool to do in that space. It, it doesn't change too much by industry. It doesn't change too much by brand, kind of what your brand stands for. I think what I've seen that's interesting in the CRM space is everyone wants to do something a little bit different. We don't seem to have determined what a, a standard approach to a social CRM is. Or even, to be fair, what we want to do with a social CRM. Like, Is it just about tracking and matching social handles against uh, customer data? Is it about matching social conversations they've had with us against their profile is it against match is it matching all social conversations that they're having whether it's about us or not to their profile so can you talk a bit more about about where you guys netted out kind of you know what sort of data you were collecting and what you were doing with it both through social but also you know through non-social channels with social data
0: here here there are two elements i think it's one is the technology that as you say, well, are we matching this twitter handle which is one person with another data point within our crm which may be the same name or not that interaction we we normally did it for very specific cases not for every single tweet but for very specific uh, um, cases like when we were logging complaints or what we call in in the tech world when the customer is asking something very difficult really really complex that that nobody knows and is not in the is not in the database that question in the faq database we did this technical escalation to to yeah to the second or third level up of technical experts so those two were the kind of things that we were logging really in in the crm tool and for that of course we asked it via private message could you please give me your real name your phone number your, your i main number which is what we ask it for for mobile phones the country where you are blah blah etc and those were logged kind of manually yes Uh, in that case those were the the only thing that we were we were really fitting into the crm tool (laughs) and then separately the other element of this is the legal aspect which kind of information can we store in our systems with or without the permission of the persons and this was this was a big problem because I don't know. I mean, you you guys in America are, are very liberal about these things. In the in Europe it's it's a completely different thing. You cannot store anything or, or any personal private uh, information about certain customers without their specific authorization. Depending the legislation of the European Union, depending the country as well, maybe the UK is a bit more liberal, but in some of the countries, like, like in Germany, you absolutely cannot do that. You cannot automate that. You collect information from the customer and you store it. No, It's against the law and against the, actually the culture of what they have, the Germans' beliefs. So it's pretty tricky. So one single solution, no I'm what we didn't arrive right to do any, and was pretty much yeah, this combination of legislation and, and, and technology.
1: All right. Well, Delphine, I'm going to ask you one more quick question, which we like to ask all of our guests, which uh, would be interesting from you because you've worked at so many brands. Can you recall for us uh, one of the most memorable customer experiences you've had uh, with a customer and just kind of tell us really quickly what it was they were asking about on social and, and how you guys responded?
0: Well, actually, I I have a couple that I, that I remember that were one was really funny. Or at some point, where in, in Brazil, our our care Twitter was answering yes in, in Portuguese, and a customer asked help, asked if we could support him. Well, this was the Nokia Nokia support handle. If we could help him with a question for his iPhone, it was uh right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is Nokia, we have Lumias, we have other, other uh, and the, then the guys were like, what do we do? I mean, and I said, well, what do you need? They answered to, 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 to the customer, and the customer was like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know who to whom I am asking this. It's just that you guys are so nice, and you answer everything, and, and your answers are so thorough, and so I thought that and, and I couldn't find information from, from Apple Forum. That was like three, four years ago. Now Apple has its own, its own Twitter handle for support. Now they finally jump it into, the, into the thing. But that was, yeah, that was really funny. Like what, what do we do with this customer? And we were partly laughing. And actually, we put some happy, smiley faces there. Look, it's not that we can really help you. But look, this is the link to the support page from, from Apple where you can find. And still, we were helping him anyway so that was kind of yeah funny like come on so even from our they realized our our the customers from our competitors they realized that we are so good doing this that they even ask us it was like come on <laughs> but well and then and the other example was let's say the the tipping point or the illumination that we had back in early 2012 somewhere there we were we starting we already had the the Twitter handle for in in English and there was this lady from Northern England who was asking for some settings on on her phone the MMS settings and still in that point we have the process that for certain things on Twitter we should ask the customer to write to this email address please uh, for a follow up on your case blah blah this and this lady answered back uh, really Say, hey, Nokia helps. I would rather want that Nokia shares publicly a solution right here, right now on Twitter, rather than privately interact through your support email. I need a solution now. Hashtag Lumia, hashtag Nokia. So that was like, really, so that's it. That, I mean, more clear than this cannot be. People want social care. They do not want any more going through the pain of female chains back and forward. And that was the example that I showed to them. Yeah, to the executive level. Look, this is is just one example. The people is demanding this kind of service. Our customers want this kind of thing. And uh, that helped a lot, really. And uh, that was just one Twitter handle. I mean, we had just one Twitter handle for support in English, and fast forward 18 months, we we had all this massive operation with 150 staff behind, 24 working 24/7 in 29 languages. So that was that. I was that was that tweet was the tipping point for the to, to make our practice grow.
1: That's great. That's, that's awesome. Your first story reminds me of many years ago I was interviewing at uh, Frito-Lay, which as you may know is a mm-hmm. snack company owned by Pepsi. Yep. And they asked me a question in the interview, name a brand that you are particularly loyal to. And the first brand that came to my mind, I didn't even think about it, was Diet Coke and (laughs) so that was not the answer that they wanted to hear and nonetheless i did not get the job so that very similar but i think it's awesome that you guys responded to the iphone question anyway because in fact you you confirmed what the customer believed about you guys well delphine we really appreciate your time you have some really really interesting experience and and we've definitely learned a lot from you so we do appreciate you coming on the podcast so thank you very much
0: Thank you very much, guys, for your time and for having me. And, uh, yeah, see you in the social media world. All right. We will see you on uh, Twitter for sure. And
1: this is uh, Dan Gingus and Dan Moriarty signing off on Episode 36 of the Focus on Customer Service podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks for
0: listening to the Focus on Customer Service podcast presented by Social Media Today. Be sure to tweet your thoughts and nominations for other brands to be featured using hashtag FOCS and follow Dan and Dan on Twitter at dgingus and at I am Dan Moriarty. See you next time.